welcome everybody to another episode of the Marvel Guys Podcast. As always, I am your host, Jordan, and sitting to my left is Spencer. How are we doing today? What's up, everybody? Doing awesome. Uh, been a great Labor Day weekend. Got to see awesome new Marvel movie, exposed to a new hero. Uh, yeah, <laughs> this, is, this has been a great weekend. It was a good time. Uh, yeah, we've got a lot of stuff going on in Marvel, and it's funny. It seems to be happening like this a lot. We've got Spider-Man coming out, Eternals starting to get some hype, and then out of nowhere, here comes Shang-Chi and kind of reminds us, hey, we know how to do all these things. We can, mm-hmm. we can you know, walk and chew gum at the same time. So we got... A pretty incredible movie, and it's reflected in, you know, people were a little bit skeptical of how much money it was going to do, and it's shattering those uh, records and thoughts. So what was your first takeaway from, you know, sitting down, starting that movie, and then when you got up to leave, what was that first thought that penetrated your brain? Going into it, I would say that my expectations weren't like amazingly high. They were pretty high, but they weren't like amazingly high. Um, but leaving the theater, I think I said it to you and I've said it in our group chat before. I, I firmly believe that this is now to me, top three Marvel movie that's been made so far. And, uh, you know, I think we kind of look at Iron Man 1 as, like, the best, like, introduction movie for, like, a, a character in the MCU. Like, that Black Panther stands up there pretty tall. But, dude, I, I got to say, man, Shang-Chi, it, to me, it's either right up there with those two or it's above them. And there's there's no in-between for me. Like, You're this talking was about origin awesome, story-wise? Or, yeah, origin stories in the MCU. I think that, you know, Black Panther... And Iron Man 1 are probably up. They're easily probably in the top three of almost everyone who's watched the MCU's lists. Uh, I would easily put Shang-Chi up there in mine, but I would say that Shang-Chi, it just depends on the day. I mean, I think that this has been an amazing, amazing movie. I loved it so much. It was really good. Um, I And before I get into like the, the critical analysis part of it, It was a lot of fun. We were right about it being the best combat movie so far. There's no doubt. Um, It had a little bit of everything. It had the street fighting of Mm. the MCU. It had the classic, you know, Jackie Chan style um, item usage fighting in, you know, the Uh bus. Uh, It had the Mortal Kombat feel in in the um, Talo. Dude, with with, with Talo, I got. Big uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon vibes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if anybody has seen that movie, but I, I saw it like once or twice when I was younger. But there was like, uh, yeah, there there were some fights. There was at least one fight scene where it was like almost like a beautiful like way of fighting, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Well, we also got air bending, yeah, which was cool. Uh, earth bending in a way because it was using the air to move leaves but <clears throat> and by the way um let's get this you know right 
out of the out of the box immediately. This will be a spoiler review, so we haven't gone into any spoilers yet. If you uh, have not uh, seen the movie, then please do click pause and go check out the movie for yourself because we will be discussing uh, things integral to the storyline. We're going to go over everything. So um, if you're looking for something that's non-spoiler, uh, there's plenty of, of great reviewers out there, but we are going to be discussing our feelings about what actually happened in the movie. So, uh, yeah, it, it was it was an exceptional movie, and it was a great origin story. My my thing about new movies is I do have kind of a tougher scale for them because there's no reason that a movie made in 2021 by Marvel should not be better than something made in 2013 or 2014. Mm-hmm. Uh, so automatically going in, I assume this fourth generation of these movies should be better than pretty much everything we got. You know, if you're isolating the Thor, Captain America, and Iron Man movies, most of them are not that impressive. They're really not. Uh, even, like, Winter Soldier still stands tall as a really good movie, mm-hmm. but there's aspects of that that they've gotten even better at and have implemented into new movies, and honestly, none of them can can uh, hold a candle as far as graphics, so... There's just an automatic leg up with a Black Panther or a uh, late later Guardians of the Galaxy stuff in Endgame and things like that. So when we saw these beautiful graphics in Shang-Chi with Talo, which was just gorgeous, um, I, that was not surprising. And I was just, I'm hoping you're going to hit a home run on that. So I came in with reasonably high expectations that it would be a fun movie. It would be another chance to kind of introduce a Black Panther-style character where it does have this wave of uh, pride in, in its own community because, you know, even more so than, a, a, you know, a Black hero or a Black champion, we have very few Asian champions mm-hmm. in the United States. Mm-hmm. So, you know, usually they're comic or fighting and that's it. Yeah. Uh, and so here we were getting a fleshed-out character. Uh, the first thing that really popped to my you know, popped in my brain was that was such a well-balanced story between the hero and the villain. Yeah. It helps when the villain is family. I Mm -hmm. get it. That is a little bit of a cheat code because the built-in emotion. Mm -hmm. But the way that they, you know, carried out the background, and if you want to speak to kind of the background of the Ten Rings that we saw, yeah, that was one of the things that really impressed me is the the storyline and the story arc of not only the hero but the villain and then incorporating the powers that the villain uh, is using and the hero uh, obtains in in the same arc together. Yeah, it's it's something that caught my attention right away, and you spoke really well on on is like just the the overall balancing between hero and villain, and then also. The, just the entire arc like this it, it, in many ways this was obviously shang chi's movie but in some ways it also kind of felt like winwu's movie uh, in in the same vein like no doubt it, it's it's very much like uh black you panther. know like a black panther or like a star wars episode six or or, or something like that where you know that villainous character kind of comes to uh an idea that they they were wrong and they were lied to or you know uh that love means more 
and, and, and stuff like that. And it, it's just a great, like super well done film. Like <laughs> I, I just can't say enough about it. Like, um, but as far as like the 10 rings origin goes too, that was, that was, that was the one thing I think going into this movie, I was like, they, I, I want to see what they do with this. Like, Knowing what I, what I, the little knowledge that I have of the Ten Rings, I, I, I was like, man, I, I gotta see what they're doing with this thing because this could either be OP or this could be like leading into something else. And I think we kind of got a little bit of both in a way. They're not extremely overpowered. Um, and it's kind of interesting how they used them. Because in the comics, if I'm not wrong, in the comics, they're almost like Infinity Stones. Each one has a different type of power yeah. that can be used for something else. Um, but here, it's like they're used in unison. And they do grant like an immortality and stuff like that because we find out very early on, and I loved that so much too, is that we started hot and heavy with like backstory, but also like action. Like it was both right in front the forefront of the movie. Right. But, you know, you're introduced to Wu, who found them like a thousand years ago. And because he was the one that found them and has harnessed their power, like he's immortal. Like, so he's lived for a long, long time and conquered almost every dynasty on the planet. Uh, it's crazy. Like, and and then just like the fighting style that he was using with them, like creating that really cool like barrier and shield and stuff when the arrows are coming down, like that was so cool. Um, it yeah. seems as though when you wear the rings, it just literally like pauses everything in your lifespan because when he took the rings off for a period of time, he maybe aged that like real time. Yeah. So it's almost it really is kind of like infinite but it's also like it, it is the power you know it, it's yeah. it's not like you wear the rings and it's it turns you into something it's if you have the rings on it, it you're actively using the power so yeah it seems as though he could live as long as he would have chose chosen to and what i what i thought was so cool and, and well done with the rings going alongside with the story right because the the title of the movie is Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, right? So you're you basically are gonna have three stories going on at once. You're gonna have the story of Wen Wu, you're gonna have the story of Shang-Chi, and then the rings themselves. Uh, which we also like don't get into until the end credit scene really as to what that real story with the rings are. But there is a sort of like symbolism with those rings because like you said, like as he's wearing them, it's like he's not aging. As soon as he takes them off, he's aging in real time or, or, or whatever that process is. Yeah. One thing to point out that goes along with what you're saying is that the, by the end of the movie, when we get to Shang-Chi, you know, having basically won, he's not wearing the rings. Like he's just kind of, it's like, all right, yeah, they were very powerful, very useful. They helped me defeat this enemy but like here you go and i think that speaks a lot to the character of shang chi more because it's like he could have easily taken those rings been super powerful in his own right but it also probably would have led him down that darker path that his father went on because it's like a power trip so 
Yeah, it Very, reminded me of uh, Deathly Hallows One when when Harry was wearing the Horcrux as, yeah. on the necklace, and Hermione's like, "Take that off! You're you yes. like this when you're wearing it." Right. Um, another interesting thing: Shang Chi is like 24 years old, mm-hmm. really young. Yeah. So that would put him in the Spider-Man category. Yeah. Um, of early 20s. So that's kind of cool, uh, knowing that we have longevity with that character. And as you mentioned, uh, we get in the post-credits scene. Uh, a reference to the rings, the physical rings, uh, when they were used to uh, send the the soul eater back to you know the their version of of hell over there, basically, uh, it called out like a beacon to mm. something, mm-hmm. and we were not given any context of what that something could be. Did you get? And sorry if I'm spoiling your later take, but did you get an idea that maybe this is the precursor to the first thought of Galactus being mentioned? No, no. Uh, my my brain didn't even go towards Galactus, to be honest. Uh, and, and here's why. I think uh, when they were analyzing the rings, they were saying that this predates like almost everything, right? Uh, I, I think... Sometimes we kind of get caught up in post-credit scenes because of Avengers one post-credit scene and how that literally laid the fabric for the next like 10 years. Like, because from then on it was like everything was building to Thanos, even if it didn't feel like it was, it was. And I think we kind of get caught up in that and we're like, Oh, so any in credit scene from now on can mean that oh dr doom is coming you know five years from now or oh galactus is coming seven years from now stuff like that i took this more as this is a signaling to the uh the eternals that this could be some kind of either code message relayed to the deviants which is where the emergence happens which i think Personally, I think the emergence is the reemergence of deviants on planet Earth, which is why the Eternals are coming back. Uh, or this is just a relayed message to a celestial of some, to- of some sort. And this message is saying, oh, we have to, the, like the deviants are coming. We need to prepare and, and get everyone ready, meaning the Eternals. And then boom, now we're setting up that movie. That's what I was looking at it as. Sure. Um I guess another way that it could be interpreted too is that uh, backstory of what the the Ten Rings are and where they come from because that's something that's important too because as we know throughout the history of the MCU so far, sometimes we take characters and sometimes we take things that are of minimal value in the comics and turn them into something more valuable in the movies. Uh, the, the Soul Eater, I think... Some people are kind of looking at the Soul Eater as the Dweller in Darkness. And I think that there's some legitimacy to that. And I, I'm going to stick with it. So, um, I'm, yeah, I'm going to say that that's probably the Dweller in Darkness. You know, I don't think we really got a full, like, it hasn't been, like, said that this is what this is or not. Uh, it's, I think it's kind of speculation at the moment, but, um, I think they hinted, I don't know if they said the exact words, but they said some form of that. If I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. But FYI, we're going off of one showing right now. So yeah, <laughs> brain's going to be a little bit spotty, but as always, this is a emotional reaction as much as it is a breakdown for sure. For sure. Um, 
it was a good movie. It was really good. And uh, I was very excited that we got to see growth from Shang-Chi. Like, Shang-Chi did not get the traditional introduction of Mm -mm. coming into a bigger movie, you know, using another character. Like, we didn't have another big character in this movie. This was a a solo. Um, The only real, you know, consistency we had was Trevor Slattery. And that was a comic relief character. So yeah, really cool that they were able to take this whole cast and just introduce them all into the MCU as, you know, hey, roll the ball out. Here you go. Game on. Good mm-hmm. luck. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this, this felt like it was really nice, man. So nice. But yeah, because like you said, I mean, they could have easily gone with saying like, you know, we had Wong in there, but like he wasn't, it wasn't like he was, it wasn't like he was Tony Stark to Peter Parker. He was in the movie for like all of like a minute. Well, yeah. And, and it was basically, yeah. The, the end credit scene was the most influential that was the most, part. He yeah. was just leaving a battle. Yeah. That was know? the most that he was in the movie was actually in the end credit scene. So like, yeah, they, he did it all basically by himself in a way. Um, I really loved Aquafina, her character Katie. Um, I think that that was pretty well done. It was like a nice mix, you know. She's she's really funny when she needs to be, but also, this was kind of different for her because there was a lot of very serious moments for her in the movie. Um, but yeah, like when when we're looking at this setup. And what could be, there's there's so many things going on in that post-credit scene that I don't think are getting enough love. Like, uh, you know, obviously the whole in-credit scene was based off of that ring and the signal that's being spread out. Two things really stood out to me the most were Bruce Banner is back. Like, where it's not Smart Hulk, it's Bruce Banner. He's wearing the sling, so obviously Hulk snapping affected him. Uh... And where's Captain Marvel going? What is she going? Like, is this set up for Captain Marvel 2? Like the Marvels or whatever. Because those were the other two characters that were in the end credit scene. Um, and might be nothing, but we didn't see Denai's character, um, which was in, was it Endgame? Yeah, Endgame, when they had like the, you know, the the people they that were reporting mm-hmm. um that deny was not in there i know she's not like a scientist but there was no representative of wakanda which would be right probably the first place you'd go when you're talking about ancient metals and technology mm-hmm. so the fact that there was no wakandan representative even shuri um, tells me maybe something's happening there right now that they can't further uh, my... talk about it yeah. so further's my speculation into what's going on with the second movie um yeah i think man there's just so much going on like uh i think we'll get answers to all of this stuff obviously we will uh the biggest one i think is bruce banner because from what we when we left off with with endgame it was he was conflicted with either being hulk or being banner the rest of his life either way and it was leaning more towards Hulk, which is why he dipped out in Age of Ultron and we didn't see him again until Ragnarok and all that stuff. 
uh, and then he couldn't turn into the Hulk again in Infinity War. Um, then the merging of the two, becoming Smart Hulk and all that other stuff. And it was like, I guess, kind of insinuated that like he wouldn't be any other version of himself again. Like he wouldn't be Bruce and he wouldn't be Hulk again. It would just be both. Right. That's what he said. Yeah. So seeing Bruce Banner was like, whoa. Yeah. Because something big's happened here. Uh, and as we've said before, like when we talk about the Young Avengers and stuff, like where we think we'll see this happening, we'll definitely get answers in She-Hulk, I think. Yeah, we'd have to get something. So uh, we'll, we'll get answers to to how the heck he's Bruce Banner again. Uh, and then the Marvels, like she seems to be always fighting somewhere else, which is interesting because she kind of has to. But it's also kind of strange in its own way because it's like, when will she not be? Right. You know Are what I mean? Are you an Avenger? Are you going to come over to watch the movie tonight? Right. Like, oh, Captain Marvel <laughs> said she's busy. Yeah. Who would have thought? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, at what point does it become so powerful and so dangerous on Earth that Captain Marvel kind of shifts her attention here? That. And when are we getting more characters? You know what I mean? Like the Guardians of the Galaxy are kind of off doing their own thing, right? The expansion of the universe is, is insane by itself, but it's not like, I, forgive me if I'm wrong, but it's not like Captain Marvel can just like shift and just fly off into another entire different universe. You have to have some kind of like... Oh, not universe, no. Yeah, you'd have to have something else. So, like, she's literally stuck in one universe, and there's the Guardians of the Galaxy out there. When are we going to get the Silver Surfer? You know, what the heck is Thor doing right now? Like, there's other entities out there that could be doing what she's doing. It just kind of seems weird. Like, they're just kind of... But I will say that this plays to her character in a lot of ways. Because when she does come back to Earth, and she stays on Earth for a while she will be depicted as that type of character that she has been in the comics all this time. Like, I don't know, many listeners might not have listened to one of our previous episodes, but like when we were discussing why so many people don't like Captain Marvel and all this stuff, and it's like, this is the intention. Like, you're really, in a way, you're not supposed to really love Captain Marvel. She's not supposed to be, she's... She's an evil, you know, in her own way, she's an evil character in the comics. Like, dude, she kills Tony Stark. Like, she completely... She's got a massive ego, too. She has a huge ego. And she's also, like, destroys the entire Avengers, not physically, but, like, just rips everything apart that's been created here. So, like, yeah, you're not supposed to really love Captain Marvel. So that's kind of the point. But, um... Yeah, getting back to Shang-Chi, we got to bring it all back. Um, we also got the second end credit scene, which kind of interesting, kind of interesting, I will say. Uh, because it's like this whole time their dad has been, you know, uh, evil and, you know, establishing the Ten Rings, ruling the world, basically, and... Now the daughter is like <laughs> revamping it. Yeah. Like when she's supposed to be destroying it. Right. He asked her to to dismantle it. Yeah. 
So my thing here is, is this just a fight club? Because we saw her, her like henchman dude that was like running the fight club with her in the movie uh, by her side. But we also saw Razor Fist by her side. So it's like, hmm, is she becoming evil? Like, in, are we getting Shang-Chi 2 where he has to fight his sister now? Which further fractures that family? It wouldn't family. shock me. I mean, the family dynamic has been a thing that Marvel has kind of yeah. stuck with. And I wonder, like, Wong asked Shang-Chi if he had the rings, and he said yes, but he didn't have them in his presence. So I wonder if, if his sister is wanting them or, mm-hmm. you know, if anything's going down there. I also wonder if they can be separated five on five for long distance. Like, if, oh, like that, without... could you have one person with five and another with five? I don't know. We're well, going to find out more about this um, as we go. I think the Ten Rings, right now, it seems like the Ten Rings are unified. Like what we saw in the fight scene with Wu and Shang-Chi was kind of, indicative of that like first five kind of separated and it was like Shang-Chi had like power over them it was like whoa like I didn't know I could do this <laughs> and they bonded to him immediately too which was so cool and like they immediately changed colors to yeah they went from blue to gold evil to good yeah um and then the other five eventually and it was just like wow like this dude that was such an awesome fight by the way, like any fight yeah. scene with Wen Wu and Shang Chi was, a like, awesome, awesome scenes, uh, especially that first one, where like Wen Wu's just destroying him, and then he like what what did he do? He like palmed him in the chest, and, like shot him straight into the lake. That was so cool. Yeah, that was like that intense, was uh, Yeah, it just a yeah, it was like a arm tackle, yeah. and he just flew back. It was a. It was intense in the physical aspect of it, but it was so much more intense emotionally to me. Like, I I don't know what it is, man, about, like, Marvel movies now and Marvel anything, but, like, man, sometimes I get, like, overly emotional. So, like, I didn't cry watching the movie, but there were some yeah, tears for me. You cried. It's there, not there a big some, deal. There were some Nobody tears. <laughs> there were some tears forming in my eyeballs when I was, like, when there were some scenes, like when they were, uh, they were discussing like the family stuff, like when they were pissed off at each other, you know what I mean? Like I actually didn't get any of this movie. Um, and then, you know, just like at the, at the end when they're like sending out a little, like, uh, what is it like? Uh, like the candles, the floating candle things like Mm -hmm. out into the lake. That was kind of emotional. That was like really cool. But I mean, the whole story is like about family lineage. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, it's importance. And so. let, let's get into that story. Uh, we've hit kind of our major points here, uh, and this is not going to be a scene by scene because, frankly, I can't remember all the scenes at this <laughs> yeah, point. It's, it I was... would like to see it again this week. Um, oh, absolutely. We'll we'll see when we have the time. Uh, so, I, like you mentioned before, we kind of started off with a history of. The rings, Shang-Chi, his, you know, family, and we got to see the story of the rings, but also the story of kind of how Shang-Chi and his sister, uh, Zhao Ling, came to be, and how Wen Wu uh, 
came to power and but but we also really got the emotional side of Shang-Chi kind of growing up and the attachment between him and his mother. Mm. And I think you could argue the central storyline of this entire movie is simply the family dynamics between the kids and the mother and the father and the mother because the the father and the kids there wasn't much of a relationship between it seemed like the mother was the entire glue for everybody and once that was lost there was a humanity that was lost from the family and then of course in the end it manifests in honestly like oxymoronic ways uh, in the way that everybody's either led uh, positively or negatively by this thought of the mom. So mm. the introduction to the mom and the rings really set this movie on a, a, an interesting path immediately. Yeah, it definitely did. And that family dynamic, it, it does shift. I think you can honestly say that about real life too. Like there's certain people in our own respective families, man, that like if that one person is gone tomorrow, your entire family dynamic can shift. Like everything about your family can shift over one. It's crazy how much one person can have an impact like that in a family dynamic. But, uh, and two, I think what was really cool is like family lineage too. And how important that is. Like, especially in Asian culture. Yeah. Because it, you know, I, I know like in Japan, at least, uh, like introducing yourself or or anything, your your last name is first because that's like your family name. So your family name is that important. Like, you know, that that's the first thing you use when you introduce yourself. Well, so that's it's it's very important. And like with Shang-Chi, his character running away from that because he doesn't like what's going on and he doesn't feel like love from his family. Uh and you know, with also with Katie's character too, there's like that little breakage in the family of like, you know, you're not, you're not doing what is, it's not even that it's expected of you, but like your family is kind of like sacrificed so much to get you to this point. And like, you know, and I think that's actually a line in the movie, like the family is sacrificed so much and here you are parking cars you right. know what i mean like so yeah which which leads us right into meeting shang yeah. yeah and meeting katie as as adults mm-hmm. and it's kind of funny because you get this really special intro of his uh mom you know nurturing him and teaching him and his father you know in an aggressive way but teaching him fighting and a lot of things are going on and then all of a sudden you get just like He's parking cars. He's yeah. a valet. Yeah. Um, he's he's just hanging out, and they they seem to like their job. They're just like whatever. I'm not very nonchalant. And Katie wants to drive this awesome car. She does. There's a funny little scene. Eventually, they do leave the job for the night, and the next morning. We see uh, Shang Chi eating with Katie's family breakfast and all that. And we get a little bit of, um, yes, there was like kind of the comedy of like, why aren't you two dating and that kind of a thing, or why aren't you getting married? <laughs> yeah. they're, not any, they're just friends. 
but uh, the grandmother was saving a seat for the grandfather who had passed away. Mm. And it's just another little family reminder of, hey, this is really, really important in this whole story. So they kind of keep reintroducing that idea of family and you may be gone, but you're not, uh, you know, forgotten. Mm-hmm. It's, it's beautiful. Like, um, and, and as we go on, you know, too, like when we meet the sister and, and all this other stuff, that those same themes just recur throughout the movie. But, um, and I think in a way, as the movie goes on too, like when you do like fracture yourself from that family and you kind of cut yourself off, you're also kind of cutting yourself off from uh, like what you didn't even know about your family, which is like the coolest part of this movie is like when they go to Talo and Shang-Chi and his sister, what was her name? Uh, Xiaoling. Xiaoling. Uh, when they're like introduced to like Talo and like their other family from their mom's side. Um, Xiaoling. Not Xiaoling. Sorry. Jailing? Jailing, yep. Yeah. Okay. Uh when they're introduced to the the other family that they have, it's like, whoa, like this is eye opening. This is completely different. This isn't like drastically different. Like we thought like I I think the, the line was like that they thought it was just a fairy tale that their mom was telling them. Like it was just some kind of made up thing. But to see it be a reality was shocking it was really cool for them yeah the and the sister's name is Xiling, and the mom's name is uh zhang li i believe is the pron- uh, correct pronunciation i hope i got that one right um but yeah it's it was pretty interesting uh to see the family dynamics of everything but just the reintroduction of hey this is really important to me and him honoring oh i'm sorry i took his chair uh, you know, like yeah. he understands that he gets it. He's he's a very Americanized character. You can tell mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that he's kind of forgotten some of his roots, it seems. But then you're immediately returned to, oh, he hasn't forgotten most of them because uh, we do have the bus scene, which I don't have to really right. go through. But we we saw uh, Razor Fist. We saw immediately that's the guy that like your eyes are drawn to. Mm-hmm. But then you're like, oh, there's some other people that look like they're just angry <laughs> yeah and so yeah shang chi gets into a fight with kind of the flunkies at first and razor fist sitting in the back waiting his turn and katie is somebody who he's confided in all this time but also never told him who he actually is and that he knows uh you know really high level combat mm. so he gets into this fight and the whole bus is watching and you know he's he's fighting all these guys while being videotaped by somebody in the bus live streaming that's important and eventually when the fight's over he realizes that his emerald necklace that was from his mother was taken i believe it was emerald it, it yeah. looks like an emerald to me definitely looks emerald to me too um yeah this was some of the best fighting immediately that we had seen in the MCU. Uh, I don't remember if the scene where Wen Wu goes to Talo or tries to go to Talo is before this or after this, but I think it's before this because she's describing everything to like little Shang-Chi when he was a baby, when he was a little kid. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, so you had two fight scenes in the very beginning that were drastically different from each other, like drastically different fighting styles, but also like some of the best we've seen in the MCU. And like you said, I mean, in some regard, as we go on through these movies, in theory, yeah, they should be getting better every time. Like every movie that gets released should be better than the next one because of how how much things have changed. But also, I think that there's some legitimacy to the way that they've done things in the past, too. Like, like we still hold up Iron Man 1 as like a really good movie. We still hold up Winter Soldier as a really good movie. So like uh to say that this movie has the best fighting scenes uh, of any of the movies I, so far, it's like it, it's not a really a knock to the older movies. You know what I mean? Well, it was something it's, that if this didn't have the best fighting, it would have been a yeah. huge disappointment. Yeah. This was made to be the best fighting. And we haven't That's had great combat in hardly any of the movies so no. far. And this like is the character. Three that stick out, so. Yeah, this is the character to do this with. You know what I mean? You could say maybe Black Widow should have been better hand-to-hand combat. Just but different. It's just different styles. This was destined to be the best as far as like hand-to-hand combat styles like this was supposed to be and it definitely hit a grand slam with it um but the uh i, I thought that the, I, I didn't know what they were doing with the necklace i was like what what's going on with this you know what i mean like that was the intriguing part of the whole story for me was like why why are the, why is this necklace so important and why is his sister's necklace cuz we find out that the sister has one yeah they have matching necklaces he yeah. gets a little not a letter but a postcard in the mail mm-hmm. and it's basically it was it looked like it was in like mandarin or something and yeah couldn't read it but uh it it was uh, a picture of the dragon and it was basically saying come home i guess mm-hmm. and yeah mixed in all of this is him realizing my my sister needs me and losing his necklace to razor fist and revealing to Katie I'm not exactly who you thought I was yeah and we meet uh his mom's uh arrival into the story when she meets one moon he's denied entrance into uh Talo and what a beautiful fight scene between the two of them mm it was a choreographed dance is what it was. Yeah. So it wasn't, you know, if you're just like, I want to see people beat each other up. That was not what that kind of fighting was. It was a dance and it was, hey, I'm not trying to kill you. I want to see what you've got. Yeah. And there, it was interesting because like she was dancing along with Earth, her surroundings. And we know that the rings are, they seem to be space bound, mm-hmm. like they're not from this planet. So it was almost like she was playing with the home court advantage of, I can alter the things around me and I'm I'm one with my fighting surface and you seem to be like a magnet that's pulling away or pushing away from uh, this floor that we are doing our uh, duel on. Yeah, very, it was very, uh, that's where I got the Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon vibes from was cuz uh you know in that movie some of the fighting in that movie is very reminiscent of this too where it's like very like 
I wouldn't even want to say artsy because there's like legitimacy to it, but it's very defensive based. Like Win Wu's fighting style is is very like offensive generated. Like he's throwing strikes, he's throwing everything. Whereas the mother is just like deflecting all of this. And it's just like, nope, nope, nope. The rings, oh yeah, no. <laughs> like, but it's just done in such like an elegant way that it, and like obviously two at the same time, it's like they're kind of falling in love with each other. Like they're locking eyes and stuff like that. And like, and it's also the first time that one was ever been like challenged. Like as he's when he's had possession of the ten rings, so he's like, "Whoa!" Like this it was is very different. much a rock paper scissors thing. Yeah, it was like this rock destroys everything, and then here comes paper. You would <laughs> yeah. never assume. Yeah, and she's just guarding, you know, Talo, and she's like, "Well, if you'd like to fight me with with fire, I will pour a cup of water on you." You uh, know, it was know. very is very soft, very simple, very. Uh, almost like she was a thousand years old and he was 10 years old, like she was the adult in the room. Mm. It was incredible. I mean, she she made him put his guns down. Yeah. You know, and and we see fell in love with her, um, probably more so than she fell in love with him at first. Uh, but she, you know, fell for him and he seemed to keep returning to the same spot just to talk and hang out with her. And yeah, we saw... This was kind of the second act of Wen Wu. It was, okay, dynamic warrior, uh, led, like in the medieval times, was like leading armies. And then he's disarmed by this beautiful um, fighter. And she turns him into uh, a family man by, you know, having his kids. And then they fall, they fall in love with the kids and they're just one big happy family. And yeah, that's when obviously everything fell apart but yeah um him and katie made his made their way to uh china mm. to Macau. yeah to yeah. kind of find the sister wherever she was or wherever they were trying to go and they end up at the fight club that the sister uh runs so this is where we met wong and abomination uh, what what's his uh il uh What's his name? Oh, Emil. Oh my God. Is it, uh, uh, something along those lines. Yeah, I can't remember the I, exact first name, but if you listen to this podcast, just you know, it's the name it, game. It's the name game. Um, we do this every time. And so, yeah, we we run into the fight scene, and she's very standoffish because she's still upset that he abandoned her as a kid, hmm. and or a, a younger version of himself. I guess they weren't super young, but. Yeah, uh, this was interesting. It kind of, again, it was almost like vibes from Black Panther with like entering the club. You know, it was just like this Kanda. upbeat, right. fun place, and uh, yeah, it gave us uh, an interesting look around the room. It was, you know, you shake a snow globe and you watch everything fall. That there were so many fights going on. You were trying to see who all was fighting each other, <laughs> and yeah. it was a cool little scene. Yeah, um, I think one thing that I had pointed out to me was uh, one of those little fights that was going on was believed to be one of those dudes that was like experimented on in Iron Man 3 and one of the widows, one of the widows was fighting him. Uh, So I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, But yeah, we got got really cool uh, vibes in that whole scene. 
like but but man like where things really kind of ramped up was like when death dealer first enters because it was like i don't know about you but I, like i kind of knew like winwoo was probably going to be like the like not the main bad guy but like one of like two main bad guys and I was kind of thinking, like, man, like, I, I wasn't thinking, like, that they would do anything, like, mystical. Like, they would do anything, like, what they did with Dweller in Darkness or whatever. So, like, I was kind of anticipating, like, Death Dealer to be, like, even more, like, awesome. You know what I mean? Like, I thought Death Dealer was Yeah, he had, like, dude. a couple fights and then got his soul sucked. <laughs> yeah. But, like, those fights were phenomenal. Like, dude, he came in, like, quick with it like he was just there to do a job and that was it like it was boom 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 and uh so like props to whoever was behind the mask for death dealer because that was also a super good fight scene like when he's i did he he stole the the necklace right from the sister and he's like running to get on the helicopter and shang chi cuts him off and then they kind of fight for a little while that was so good man it was fun watching the fight scenes on the scaffolding. Oh, yeah, those were um, awesome. They, again, it was like very Jackie Chan, like rush hour, but yeah. that serious kind that, of a thing. Yeah. Exactly. That's a good, yeah. Um, man, this was it, like you're on the edge of your seat during that whole thing because it's like people are literally like falling off of the building and stuff like that. Like not literally because it's a movie, well, but like it feels, <laughs> it feels like, you know, like the tension just kind of builds because I'm like terrified of heights and I, I don't even, I think a therapist would probably say that I'm terrified of falling, but like <laughs> terrified of heights in general. So like some of those camera angles were like, whoa, like it, it just made me feel like on edge the entire time that they're fighting. Yeah. And while they, while Shang-Chi and uh, Zhai Ling were fighting in the cage, he, would not fight her back mm. and she got the win um but he realized that she was not the one that sent the the message to return and so they for a moment seemed to kind of understand each other's perils and then when you know the alarm goes off basically something's going down she she bolts and he's left there pretty much by himself and he has to fight his way out and then she comes back uh, and she kind of helps him. And so they they were able to sort of fight their differences off. You know, she's like, hey, I abandoned you because I wanted you to feel how uh, I felt. And so by, by the end of the fight, they're kind of like in a team up mode. And it wasn't long after that that we did see um, them going back to, you know, the Ten Rings compound because they're they're stolen they're 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 fighting and there's a moment where when Wu puts his arm on shang chi's shoulder and is like i, I can't wait to have you back yeah. and shang looks at to his left and the the arm that's on his shoulder has the rings on it and at that point you can do nothing but go along with what he says right because he can do whatever he'd like to at that moment uh, and we got to see the 10 rings compound so uh, that was interesting because we get to see him kind of reminisce of his reminisce about his younger self, and we also get a little bit of snooping around in which they do find 
Trevor Slattery. Which is probably one of the coolest reveals of the movie. Like, I, I didn't anticipate him being in the movie. I, I did think he would be. I didn't know he would be that big of a part, though. Yeah. But, <laughs> like, and uh, Morris. Morris stole the show. Yeah, Morris like, is pretty cool. That was such a cool little character that they just threw in there. <laughs> like, I loved that so much. Uh, it added so much more to me for the movie, having Trevor Slattery and the Morris character in there. Like, I, I loved that. Uh, I can't remember exactly what Katie calls him. It was like a, what was it, like a pig something? Pig and a something else. I don't remember. But, like, that was so funny. Uh, yeah. Um, and then we find out, like, after they meet Trevor Slattery and they have, like, that kind of, like, comedic stoppage, like, comedic break in the movie, uh, they kind of find out what it, I don't know, it was, like, right Right before that was when they put the the emerald. Anything close to this, you can talk about. <laughs> yeah, the right before that, they they take the Winwu takes the the necklaces and then puts the emerald things on the yeah, eyes of the, the dragon eyes. at the Ten Ring uh, compound. And then the water thing was yeah. so cool because like water gets shot out from both sides, but it's like floating and suspended in the air, and then it falls. It's really there's a cool map. looking. So cool, man! Like. They crushed it. Um, but it's revealed that, like, when Wu wants to go to Talo to, like, quote unquote, like, save their mother because he's been hearing voices. Yeah. But in reality, he's, like, destroying Talo. Or the, the idea is that, oh, he's just going there to conquer it. But, like, there's a little more to it. But, like, yeah. So they're like, no, we're not going to help you. And then he throws them in the jail cell, which is where they find Trevor and Morris uh the breakout scene was kind of cool but I thought it was <laughs> I don't know about you but I thought it was kind of hilarious that like Razor Fist's car literally just has his name on the side of the okay. car did that car not look like like a pimp my ride car it did from like 2004 seven yeah <laughs> yeah it's like it definitely hey did. You have no working motor and these wheels are trash, but look at this new paint job. Look know? at this new paint job and look at these look at these TV screens in the back of the Right. <laughs> there was one kid on Pin My Rad that was like, I like tennis. And they were like, Here's a thing that shoots tennis balls out of your tailpipe. Right. Like, what the heck is this? <laughs> and he's this? like, What do I do with this? Yeah. Like, oh my gosh. That that show was insane. Like replacing the freaking uh the mirrors and putting tennis rackets in there instead. <laughs> what kind of show is this? But, uh, and there was always, there was always, you were always guaranteed to have a super expensive, not even super expensive, just super over the top, uh, sound system in the back of your car. And you were always guaranteed to have like eight monitors in the back of your car, like one on the trunk, three or four in the back seat, which you're never going to see. And all this other stuff, like just a a wild show, but uh, yeah, it definitely felt like some pit my ride kind of stuff. Either that, or it kind of like he maybe Razor Fist bought the car and then he left it in the bad side of town, and somebody just like graffitied his name for no reason on there. <laughs> like, yeah, you see Katie with a spray paint bottle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was it was interesting. Um, 
the the getaway scene was pretty cool. There was so much action in this movie. A lot more than you think. Yeah. It was like every other scene, and, which is crazy. And Katie was always involved. Yeah. <laughs> she, she was always... Always uh, somehow involved. Yeah. She was always doing something to get somebody in trouble. I did not expect that from her, by the way, at all. Like, when I saw Aquafina was going to be in it, I was like, oh, she's going to be like the comedic character. Because that's typically what she always is. She's always like some kind of comedic character, at least in the movies that I've seen her in, which is not very many, but like, I don't really know how many movies she's been in. But, um, it does make sense that she was around a lot of water, though. It does. It does. <laughs> she got a little, little Aquafina, little, little money on the side for that, maybe. I don't know. It could be. <laughs> um, so they did escape and, the reason that they were able to escape is because Trevor Slattery uh, was able to speak to Morris, and Morris was telling them, "Oh, we can get you out." Well, Morris wasn't saying anything. But, he wasn't saying anything. Um, we can, we can make it. No problem. We'll probably die, but we can make it. Like it's yeah. possible. And so they do escape. They do drive <laughs> all the way to where they need to go, and kind of similarly uh, to when Wen Wu did it before, but when Wu almost drove off a cliff and did drive off a cliff. He was able to get out. Um, but boy, there's a lot of similarities to Harry Potter in this movie. Not the more I mystical think creatures, about it. there was hidden there paths, was hidden paths, trees, trees that would that move, move and try yeah. to kill you. Um, the getaway scenes looked a lot like it as well. Yeah. There's a lot of interesting, uh, doors getting smashed. The, the, uh, <laughs> secret like passageway stuff in the, the cave areas. Just yeah. A lot of interesting stuff there. Um, just as a, a brain that has too much Harry Potter info in it at all times. Right. It recognizes right. that. <laughs> uh, but they, they were able to drive their way through the, the path and they just like ended up in Talo, almost like the mm. maze and Harry Potter. Okay. Uh, yep. There you go. Yep. <laughs> I can't, I can't not. It's just, it's so similar. It's, it's just pretty there. crazy. It's there. Uh, but they do end up in Talo and they are not welcome. No. No, uh, I thought it was, yeah, I, I thought it was one of the funnier scenes to me. It was like where Slattery's sitting there in the front seat with Morris and he's like, oh yeah, Morris is like 90% sure that this is, this is right. And he goes like, oh wait, uh, 19, not 90. <laughs> so he's 19% sure that this will work. I thought that was great. Um, but yeah, they're not welcomed at first. Because uh, they think that the intention is that they're with Win Wu, like that they led Win Wu there. But uh, yeah, it was, it was really cool. We're met with like the aunt, uh, their aunt. Um, it's always the the wife that comes out and is like, "Hey, shut up! Let the kids in." Jeez, yeah, good to see you. Yeah, right. It's that always in so many movies because that one dude is just like standing there. And he's like, "Nope." Yeah. <laughs> Stabs his staff in the ground and it's pass. like, you shall not pass. Yeah, he was uh, not having it. And nah. we got to see the mythical creatures. We got to see Morris. We got to see a Ninetales. We got to see That was an Ninetales. actual Pokemon. Like yes. that's the closest thing to Ninetales you could, you could think of. And if you guys ever wanted to know a little bit more about me, that is actually my favorite Pokemon. It's a good Pokemon. Uh, it's a got, fox yeah. with nine tails. Yeah. Which... It's kind of interesting because that has a lot to do with Japanese culture. 
Yes, it does. Pretty much everything in this movie was based off of some sort of Japanese cultural icon Mm -hmm. or being or mythical creature. What's interesting to me, though, is that like this is supposed to be China. So like the nine tails being in there was like, whoa, like that was not expected at all. I mean, I get it's a mythical creature, but like there's a lot of correlation with nine tails. Like obviously Pokemon is Japanese based. So like the nine tails being there, but also Naruto, the nine tailed fox. Um, what I would and then like with that, just uh, very simply, is uh, often when they take mythical places on Earth that are kind of derived from a certain culture, they usually just base it as a con- con- yeah. collaborative yeah. effort. Right, right, totally. Kind of like Wakanda. Right. So, um, but yeah, man, that was just so so freaking cool. Like all the different creatures looked awesome. The the big uh dog looking things dog. those were sick um yeah they were ready to fight too oh dude they were on hands immediately like <laughs> as soon as they pulled up they were like nope <laughs> um and from this point on you almost could have said wow there ain't much time left in this movie because it yeah, seemed like like you got a lot i well, made it to the mythical land like there's the portal right you know so that was interesting that they got there pretty early um but Basically, that once they were welcomed into their society, they were able to uh, live and breathe and train with with those people, getting mm. ready for the fight that was coming to them. Yeah, Katie becomes an archer somehow. That dude like was she not just, having it at first. He was not having it at first, and then uh, she kind of got thrown into some archery training. And I thought that was kind of cool. Like, I think a lot of people might look at that as like you know some kind of weird nonsense way of looking at it like you know oh it's just how did she automatically just become like so good at this or whatever but dude that's life like that's literally life there's a lot of things that we don't know about ourselves that we could be amazing at we just haven't tried yet and then once we try it we're like oh i'm actually like pretty good at this archery could be one of those things for some people so like it's it's not like a crazy astronomical thing but like this girl who's never shot an arrow before starts shooting arrows and then develops this talent with it. So I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Yeah, I think it is. Just, <laughs> that was the one thing where they took a lot of liberties giving her the kill shot. <laughs> uh, but it is what it, I mean, that was like a 175 meter shot to it. <laughs> nonetheless, it was a big neck though. It wasn't like it was, it wasn't one spot she had to hit or anything. Right. But, yeah, they were just they were learning the culture. Uh, they kind of got back uh, into their their roots, and we we kind of skip ahead to when they approach. You know, when Wu finally mm. comes in, it's like all of a sudden, all of a, they just drive up, and you're like, oh, they're here, um, and they start to battle almost immediately, hands on sight situation, mm-hmm. and they are they're winning. Wenwu's warriors, his people, and uh, his rings are, you know, doing its thing against Shang-Chi. And I was joking during the movie, every time he starts a battle, he just walks to the, like, the throne (laughs) and just just sits down. But this time he walks into the, like, memorial area and goes to look at his wife. And this was, this was so cool because similar... But even better than Black Panther, you felt like the villain really 
you you related. You You're definitely like, related. If if you could imagine something so real in your brain telling you it, it's kind of like stranger things when everybody thought uh Will's mom was crazy. Yeah. And she's like, "No, I hear him." And he's hearing the same thing. She's the hero, he's the villain in the story because one was getting tricked and one wasn't. But you just you felt so bad for him because it was like the the classic story of you know the the Beauty and the Beast, mm. and he was like tamed, and whether that's a good thing or not, whatever. But in the storyline, he saw something that made him feel like life was worth living and dying. Yeah. That's the thing. She made him want to die. Right. <laughs> in the best way possible. Yeah. And that was torn away from him. And it was something he did. And it wasn't something he did directly, which makes it even worse because it wasn't that he, you know, made her go outside to get uh, the pizza from the fast food driver and he shot her or something. It was that his decisions, his lifelong, lifelong decisions impacted, uh, Basically, a moment that was always going to come eventually was people he loved being killed. Yeah. So he's just standing there looking at the the picture, and they you know they converse, and I don't remember what all was said, but the the relationship between those two, you can see Shang Chi's like, God, you're not a horrible person. Like, mm-hmm. why do you have to be like this? And and he's trying to tell him you're not you're not hearing her. That's not her. And it just wasn't working. And so while his army's kind of getting the advantage, not dominating, but getting the advantage, we do get a one-on-one, like you mentioned before, with Shang-Chi. And Shang-Chi held his own, but also Wang Wu was a little bit distracted at the time. And Mm. as soon as he was like, yo, game over, he just beat him into the water. And then they end up, you know, over by, uh, or he ends up over by the portal. It, what didn't he drop a line on him right before he did it too? Like he was like, "It's oh, your probably. fault." Like it's your fault because you saw her die. Like you watched her die and did nothing, and then he just yes. like yeets him into the. Which is true as well, but, but like, she told yeah. him just yeah. go inside. Yeah, and yes, he was old enough to maybe help a little bit, but he would have died as well. Yeah, you know. So it was just like, man, it was like super emotional scene, and then. The emotions of him saying that to his kid and then just like beating him into the lake, into that lake. Like that was just crazy, crazy, crazy. But yeah, you also feel like for Win Wu in that moment too. Like you're like, he's probably the one of the most relatable villains now in the MCU too because of that. Like, man. It was just tough. It was very, very tough. When he starts beating on the on the portal door, which opens it up a little bit, and then like those little soul suckers come out of it. The little which, mini ones. Yeah, the Zubats. Ones. <laughs> the Zubats. So many Pokemon in this in yeah. this movie. Uh it's so frustrating. You're watching him like, stop, you yeah, dummy. Yeah, it was. Oh. And he's just pounding on the door, and all the little Zubats are coming out. And then Death Dealer's like the first one. <laughs> and I was like, oh. Well, wow. yeah. And and basically what happened here, I like it. I didn't think I'd like it, but like it, it does Them make sense. Them taking the logical route. 
it, it's logical, but it's like, okay, so, I mean, you guys have seen the movie by now, but they're, uh, it's the common enemy thing, you know? Yeah. They, they're fighting, and then all of a sudden, they see somebody get their soul sucked out of their body, and that was like one of their best warriors, and they go, hey, you should help us because we're the only ones that have the weapons. You may be the ones holding us down at the moment, but our weapons right there, and we know how to use them, mm-hmm. are the only things that's going to help you with this fight. And yep. so when these Zubats start like just raining you know, soul fire down onto these people, they all uh, basically call a truce and say, hey, we got to fend off this otherworldly beast and beastettes that are coming through this portal. Yeah. So we do get a team up, and the Wenbu's just over there continually uh, you know, using the rings to open up more and more of this portal until there's, you know, an engulfing uh, presence of, of Zubats. Mm-hmm. I liked that idea because it is a logical thing. Like, uh, maybe a little too logical because I don't think the odds of that happening are slim in real life, but they're not as 100% as I think people would like it to be. Like, I think in real life, a lot of people wouldn't take that decision. Even if they saw someone's soul get sucked out of their body, they're like, we came here for a purpose, and we're going to just destroy you guys, and then we'll deal with that. Maybe less, like, mystical, acknowledged, acknowledged, uh, competent people would have been like, no, we're keeping fighting, but these guys are like, oh, no, the soul-sucking monsters. (laughs) Those guys. (laughs) Those guys. are. we should, you know, put our weapons down (laughs) and join their team. Yeah. Not the soul-sucking monsters. But this was really where the fight took off. Yeah. This is where, oh my gosh, now it's Jurassic World. They're, the floodgates are open. All the Zubats are flying towards you guys. Mm-hmm. And they're all just, do, do, do. Katie's firing her arrows. Everybody's you know poking them. The, the food dogs are, are chewing them up. Uh, maybe there's something to their saliva or something. I wasn't sure why they were able to kill them. But um, anyway... Everybody was fighting these things, and Razor Fist tears off his arm and puts on one of those sticks with the the dragon, dragon scales, yeah, uh, on it. And that was cool. We did see, uh, we didn't mention it yet, but we saw uh, the brother and sister Shang Chi and Zhai Ling get their uh, outfits, their their mm. comic accurate outfits, mm-hmm. and it was made up of like the dragon scale type uh, things. And it, it's armor, um, and not only armor, but it was uh, a way of attack because that is the one thing that could fend off these soul-sucking monsters. And then we get Shang-Chi uh, basically, he's not dying, but he's like In the slowly water. drowning. Yeah, slowly um, drowning. And we know from the trailer that we were going to get, um, you know, a, a water dragon. So... Gyarados. <laughs> I, I, I thought the same thing. I, you know what I was thinking? I was trying to remember, can you use fly with gear? <laughs> and I was always confused why you couldn't. Yeah. Because I know he's a water-only Pokemon, but he he just looks like he could like jump really far. Oh, yeah. Even though he has no he, legs. Well, he does. Um, yeah. And I totally. think he actually flies yeah. in this show. Yeah. But whatever. Um, this, this one, Fing Fang Foom, is who we assume it was. His name was never really uh, addressed. It was the great... Protector. Mm, the great protector. The great protector. Yeah. Um, he appears, or she is probably in, asexual or whatever, but um, the dragon appears and 
I can't even remember what happened moment to moment. Was he, he comes able out to... and like immediately like starts eating just right bags. away. Like he's just like, yep, yep, and, yep. And you know what like, was crazy about that is like you think he's going to come up and snatch a few like mm-hmm. a traditional animal. Yeah. But it, this isn't an animal. It's a great protector. It's, yeah. it's basically a, a body of souls. Yeah. And he just keeps going up and up and up and up. And it's like your ab muscles are ridiculous. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. it was crazy. He just kept going up. And it was basically his way of saying, I'm here now. Yeah. Let's finish what we started. Because now we have uh, Shang-Chi. He's kind of awoken the the great protector. We have... Wen Wu, who's unleashing the monster slowly behind the portal, mm-hmm. and we get a bit of a one-on-one between the two humans and the two beings. Ah, yeah. How awesome was that? Yeah, that was that was sick. That was so cool because, like we talked about a little earlier, like when Shang Chi and Wen Wu were fighting each other, like Shang Chi's kind of learned, like he changes his style. That was the coolest part of that fight. Like he starts fighting him normally, like the first time he fights him, like when he gets his butt kicked, like he's fighting him with the exact same style that he was taught from Wen Wu, Death Dealer, and all those other people, like when he was surrounded with in the Ten Rings compound when he was a kid. But then when we see them fight the second time at the portal, like he opens his palms and he's fighting with that style that he learns from his aunt that was passed down that his mother knew. And he gets the Ten Rings, like, yeah, that really cool scene where, like, they both have five, and you see, like, the gold oh, and the so blue. Cool. That was so sick. How was he was... able to take those the first time? I'm trying to remember. Uh, I think Win Wu, like, just yeeted him at him. Yeah, he and threw then, him like, at him. He just kind of, like, oh, yeah, thing. he, he like, kind of caught him without actually catching him. He was yeah. just, like, floating it around himself. Kind of like the Matrix. And it seemed like they took to him. Yeah. And as soon as, yeah, yeah, as soon as he did that, they were like, oh. This feels right. Right. This feels good. <laughs> yeah. Seeing them battle each other with the five, uh, I, you know, we were like, once in a while, if we got a thought, we'd whisper it to each other in the, in the movie theater. And I was like, five versus five. It's coming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and then he, you know, he threw the rings and, and <laughs> they were battling. And, and it was like, it was like, uh, it was like Black Panther, yeah. where you strip them of their powers and you go, okay, human to human who's actually a superior fighter. And right. so we got to see five versus five. A young, raw Shang-Chi was able to uh, kind of use an Expelliarmus, you know, and and take care of uh, Wen Wu because he was able to get the five rings off of him. Mm-hmm. He got 10 rings total off of him. And it was just an incredible fight. But that also led us to, uh, while they're distracted, the, the great, you know, soul-sucking machine is is killing the great protector and it's killing everybody and it is slowly going to destroy all of Talo uh before you know Shang-Chi finally kind of gets involved but who was the one that saved Shang-Chi in the end but his repentant father when he realized this is not what I meant mm-hmm. I, I was wrong you were right. Take me instead. Here's the rings. And yeah, it, it was it was a sad moment because you could see the father going, I messed up. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I love you and your mother. 
please make this right. And he rel- relinquishes all of his powers off mm. to Shang-Chi. He gets the five other rings, and he is now full-powered, but he's still not really able to fight this monster off. But they're battling, and he's got the pr- great protector. And then, as we said before, uh, aim for the neck. Mm-hmm. Katie comes up with the one arrow, Lord of the Rings style or Hobbit style. Neck. And you're right. Knocks down Smaug. That that was a massive neck. I'm kind of like trying to remember. Yeah, like you were right. A bunch that, of coiled, like metal coiled. Neck and it was purple kind of situation. Was yeah. it not? It was like purple or blue. Yeah, it was like glowing that. purple. Well, he's getting stronger and stronger and stronger, and he was like absorbing the life of all these people and beings. Yeah. And and finally, she she hits him, and that kind of stumbles, uh, makes him stumble. And uh, and Shang Chi kind of uses the ten rings. Yeah, and he's like yeah. And then they explode, like it explodes the inside yep. out. That was all, that was so cool. And I mean, basically, he won that battle, and the souls that were sucked are gone. They're they're done. Yeah, I thought that um, they would return to the bodies. I did or too. That seemed like, like a lot of casualties. But nah. And uh, it was just kind of odd. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, that's cool with me because it's not Cause bad. If, but the more deaths we get, the more you yeah. show me how real you are. Yeah, that and like if the souls return, then that means that Wenwu returns. Yes, and that, that you can't have a send off like that and then just come back. Right, like a minute later, five minutes later. So, and I thought Zhai Ling was gonna die. For I a did minute too. There, yeah, I was like, oh no, like he's gonna lose both. It really one looked like she was gone. Foul swoop. Um, foul swoop. <laughs> um, no, it was that was such an awesome moment and then you had the cool scene after that where like everybody kind of like was like oh my gosh we just defeated it and like we gotta settle down those a lot you know who's alive who's who's gone and then they cast out the little uh floating candle things out into the lake at night which is so awesome it looked beautiful they did one i think it was like one for every soul that was lost or whatever yeah and then they say like some kind of parting message to it and that was really neat, really cool. Um, and then, um, yeah, like the ending is uh, what them discussing everything that happened with their friend at the bar. Yeah, but don't forget Trevor Slattery in his last performance. Oh, yeah, that was so good. Faking his death. <laughs> you think he's Which- dead? Made me so happy because anytime I've ever thought about being in a massive fight, that's what I would do. If I knew <laughs> I was outmatched, he's a human in this fight. Yeah. And he goes, I'm going to lay down and act like I'm dead. That's brilliant. Mm. Wonderful. Mm. Master of the arts. Master of the arts. Guy went from Hamlet to faking his death. It's fantastic. But yes, they were, um, I don't think we're missing anything. Maybe we are, but uh, it seems like we then go off to the the bar scene where they discuss uh, their they're exciting weekend where they're not believed. <laughs> yeah, they're not believed. The friend's like, I, no, this is not real. You guys are just making fun of me because I was roasting you guys a week ago for not doing anything with your life. And and then Wong comes in out of nowhere and is like, yo, are you Shang-Chi? Isn't that the greatest? That's the best. You ever finish the story, somebody really actually doesn't believe you? Yeah. Like somebody you know doesn't believe you and then somebody else comes by and immediately corroborates the story 
without you having to tell them. That's happened a few times in my life. Beautiful. And those are like some of the best moments in my life. Beautiful. Yeah. And Wong was, like I said, uh, was it this podcast? I don't know. I don't think it was. Um, how fitting was it that Wong would be there at the end as an, an Asian character? I think, did I not say no. that on the podcast? No, I don't conversation? think that was just in conversation. I Man, yeah. who was I talking to? The, was it just you? Yeah. I'm losing my mind. <laughs> like I said that on like three podcasts ago. Um, but yeah, it, it made so much sense to have him appear a uh, very prominent Asian character in the MCU mm-hmm. at the end of this. Yes, like I said before, he was in the beginning. Um, but it no, wasn't. Sorry, not the beginning. He was in the middle with the, the fight scenes. But he was there fighting on his own behalf, blah, blah, blah. At the end, he comes by and says, hey, we need to talk to you. Yep. You too, Miss yeah. Lady Kashuna Arrow. <laughs> yeah, we need, an, we need an Arrow guy. Yeah, we, <laughs> we need just an lost Arrow one. We just lost, yeah. So, yeah, that was, pretty, that was pretty exciting. And the friends were there for kind of like comedic relief of, oh, my God, they weren't kidding. They were not kidding. That, yeah, that was such a cool little moment. Uh, which led directly into the end credit scene that we already discussed. Um, yeah, that that's a that's a heavy credit scene because that might be big. leading us into something we've never seen before. I don't, I'm not knocking anybody who would say that that could lead to Galactus, but I just don't think it is. I personally, no. I mean, even if it just leads to another medal or another discovery from a long time ago or something like it's that, something that's, bigger. That's yeah. another piece of the puzzle. Yeah, it's all worth it. It's all like got its own weight in the universe for sure. Uh, I definitely see this being personally, I, I, I just gotta say, I, I really feel like it's something that's like deviant or celestial related to me. Like, I don't think the Certainly celestials like created it, but yeah. Maybe they were having like a celestial party and it was a party favor and they accidentally lost it on earth or something. Yeah. They kind of like, like a paperweight you know, situation like they, again. They were like, Oh, look at these rings. <laughs> like that's the what that's what you give to the <laughs> to the dude that's late to the party he has to wear the rings or yeah. whatever oh what do I have in the closet <laughs> oh, I didn't know he was coming what about these rings they don't do anything <laughs> they just chucks them out of the right <laughs> out of the universe <laughs> yeah. to another one yeah that's crazy yeah it was it was a really well done movie um, the origin story is fantastic it, it took pieces of other movies that made it really great mm-hmm. um as far as what we expected from it, I think it hit on every topic um, and kind of squashed a little bit of like, it almost felt like they they meant to say or did say intentionally, he's not the Mandarin. Like, that's mm-hmm. not a name that I go by. That's That was just fake. Yeah. So what did we do for the past like four months? We just talked about who the mandarin was right um and who you know because we wanted to know who the uh what did they call it in uh falcon and the winter soldier the 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 head person of that whole oh yeah Uh, Um, and the mandarin being one of the possibilities of those but we now know that the mandarin is kind of an americanized term it was well yeah chicken term or whatever yeah so I would say, as it relates to that, you can kind of forget about that stuff. Um, but it, it answered pretty much everything we wanted. It didn't really give us any lead up to anything else except for the post credit scene. But uh, it did tell us we might see Shang Chi in uh, Doctor Strange. 
Yeah, we could see him in Doctor Strange. We could see him in other cutscenes or other uh, not cutscenes, other future uh, in credit scenes, stuff like that. Like, there's a lot going on here. Um, it's making me more hyped for the Eternals now because just uh, the level of competition. No, not even that story. All story because. Man, like, let me tell you something. Like, if we're... So we're getting into the Celestials. And that's where, you know, like, like we're getting, we're going to be experiencing immense power now. Like, on scales we haven't seen before. Uh, uh, yeah, that's a meme. Wait, no, yeah, there was... The, the, I know. The Tony Stark thing. Did you just say... <laughs> <laughs> something um, hitherto, hitherto undreamt of yeah hitherto undreamt of <laughs> <Yeah>. yes <laughs> are, are you propping up against the cauldron of the cosmos slaps his hand okay that was great Continue. I'm 12 um years old the <laughs> the uh yeah we're getting into celestials um one thing i want to point out for some marvel fans that i think could be coming you know i'm not i'm not saying that this is a for sure thing uh, but it's a possibility that's out there. Um, man. Um, so when we get into the Eternals, one thing that we know is that nowhere exists, right? In the MCU, the, Where? the planet nowhere. Oh yes. Uh, it exists in the MCU. The mere premise of that existing to me already sets up null. Uh, and if it doesn't set up Null, then it sets up at least Gore. One of the two. Like, they're either going to take Null as its own character, or they're going to do something with Gore to kind of alter these characters out, because we know Gore is coming. Like, it's confirmed for Thor, Love, and Thunder. The reason that these things are important is because what you're going to see in the Eternals, the power that is held by the Celestials, how powerful they are, is nothing like bro like so where this all connects is that null is the person that basically created the symbiotes like he creates this thing called the all black which is like this like necro sword black sword that he uses to actually behead one of the celestials and that head is nowhere that's why nowhere looks like a giant skull. It's because that's actually the skull of a celestial. Um, so, yeah. And what we know of Null is that Gore, uh, it's either Null that dies or is stripped of his power from the All Black. He becomes incapacitated. Null becomes incapacitated in some form. And the All Black attaches itself to Gore, which is how Gore becomes Gore the God Butcher, because then he becomes super powerful. So, yeah, this is where all of this hype is coming from. And that's why, honestly, I think that this in credit scene from Shang-Chi, it's just setting up the Eternals. Like, it's, they're, they're going to go one step at a time, I think. So, like, in the Eternals, we might get an in credit scene that shows Null or it shows some sort of tiny amount of a backstory type situation with gore or something like that to set up Thor Love and Thunder. Because I think if you're going to be doing gore 
in Thor Love and Thunder, which they are, you have to tie him into the Celestials somehow. So I think that's how you're going to do it. So I think every end credit scene that we see from this point forward, at least for the, you know, the, uh, I don't know, what what's the word? The short future, <laughs> the foreseeable future. Yeah. Uh, these end credit scenes, I don't think they're going to be like massive, like, oh my God, Galactus is coming type situation. I think we're just setting up each film by each film you know, slowly but surely. And then eventually we might get that one in credit scene where it's like, oh my gosh, that's Dr. Doom. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I think it'll be a slow thing. And I also do think that the Eternals is like a pacing thing for seeing how well they can pull off a massive scaled character on this stage for when we do get Galactus, you know, like, I don't, I don't know that the Celestials, yeah. yeah. I don't know that Celestials will have uh, a big, you know, I don't know what their their part in this movie is, but uh, if they have a big role, I would assume that it's, it's, they're kind of using that as like a setup for what they can possibly do in the future with Galactus, if if we're getting them at all. What are you thinking with power level for Shang-Chi, given that he has the rings on him? Given that he has say the ring. It seems to me personally that we're looking at more powerful than like a Winter Soldier, Black Panther, Captain America level because mm-hmm. they easily. don't have anything to counter that. No, easily. Um, so he's he's stronger definitely than the humans and the technical fighters. He's stronger than the people that are empowered. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely not as strong as the sorcerers. Nope. Uh perhaps similar strength to maybe a watered down Hulk, something like that. But yeah. as far as like MCU Hulk, we've seen. Yeah. MCU Hulk. Probably. Um, that's probably the range I would put him in right now. Yeah. Uh, probably would take out an Iron Man with, with ease. I don't know. You think so? I, I think, see, Iron Man is probably the most slept on as far as power is concerned because he's really, there's nothing special to him. It's his armor that is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But well, like I guess it's kind his, of like a Batman thing where if he knows the power he's going up against, yeah, he'd probably yeah. have a good shot at countering it. Yeah, and he's super creative. So, like, if he sees, like, dude, he's not going to, even if he gets through the Ten Rings, he's nothing in comparison. Like, Shang-Chi would just destroy him. Like armor or not, he'd just like kick him in the stomach and like yeah, you know, destroy him. It'll probably crack his armor and like so like there'd be, he'd have to have some kind of thing, but he would know what that thing is and he would implement it in yeah. his armor. Like we saw that throughout the MCU, we saw it throughout the comics too. Like, and I'd say for right now, he's still head and shoulders above our Spider-Man currently. Oh, easily, but. We know Spider-Man's levels get really, really high. They get ridiculously high. And that's actually a cool thing. I'm waiting to see that. I'm glad you brought that up because we may get that in the MCU. There was some, I can't remember which exactly comic it was, but there was some really cool comic out there where like Shang-Chi teaches Peter Parker how to fight. And because of that, like Spider-Man becomes even more powerful because like he's not just some dorky kid that has this power. Like he's a legit fighter now that has this power, and yeah, that that's really cool. I hope we get that. We also have the second 
end credit scene. And does that lead to a TV show? Do you think? I think so. I would say that's like the betting favorite. Yeah, I would say. Yeah. Specifically, it said if you weren't able to stay for the the last credit, it was uh, the Ten Rings will return. Yeah. Specifically, the Ten Rings will return. Yeah. Now, they could be word playing that and just saying, hey, you know, Shang-Chi will be wearing the Ten Rings, but based on that scene, Mm-mm. that That's... was the that was the training camp and whatnot. Yeah. And there's women. Yeah, they're That's they cool. definitely seem to be leaning into this organization is back yeah. and strong. So it seems that I, I it can't see a movie based off the Ten Rings like no. now. But they could be a villainous part of Shang-Chi too, if they decide to go that route. Or they yeah. could not be. It, I didn't get a different. villain feel. Yeah. Um, but you never know. I I got mercenary vibes. Like heavy mercenary vibes. Like I think maybe she's redone the Ten Rings so that you know, they can be sold for the highest bidder in a way. You know what I mean? Like they're just making money, little power. You know what I mean? Like nothing too mm-hmm. crazy in terms of power, but like, yeah. And it's kind of cool that we got to see the Ten Rings actually have female, like, fighters that are training and stuff like that because that was yeah, something that was adamantly against early on. Like there were no female fighters. That's why Shailene was like, you know, learning in the dark basically. Yeah, and she's got a little bit of a different fighting style than. Shang-Chi, but was yeah. able to kind of copy some of the upbringing uh, lessons. Mm-hmm. Um, last last thoughts on this fun, exciting, new, fresh film that we got here? Uh, if you were ever in doubt, man, of trying to see this movie or don't know how it's going to correlate or whatever, just go see it. Like... Man, if you've if you've actually made it through this podcast and you haven't seen it, like that's a that's a problem in itself. But uh yeah, it, it's totally it was totally worth it. And I don't know if we're doing a ranking or like a or or a rating even, like out of ten or anything like that, but I've got one. Like. I, I would say nine point seven out of ten for me. That was it crossed every box in boxes that I didn't even know needed a check mark in them. So I would it, it's very, very, very high. That's really me. high. That's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, Is that I, a Marvel nine point seven or a nine point seven on a movie scale? That's a Marvel nine point seven. That oh was extremely my gosh. high. Because you can't You're running out of room. No, because you can't put Avengers movies into solo movies. Avengers movies are their own thing. So a 9.7 on a solo movie is like up there with like Ragnarok, up there with Winter Soldier, up there with Black Panther. Okay. And I think it it definitely is deserving of being in those categories. Absolutely. So hey, it was it was very good. Um if uh if you guys get a chance to to see it again before it leaves theaters, it's it's, it's such a good theater watch that you probably wouldn't regret that second watch if you if you're interested. Mm-hmm. Um we will have a recap of What If coming out very soon. Uh, the first few episodes were entertaining, but didn't bring anything like new to the table. This latest one kind of did, and so I'm very intrigued to discuss the possibilities of what took place in the episode and also 
kind of just recap uh, each of the episodes so far and what we thought uh, about the show itself, but also maybe the possibilities of seeing it in real life or things like that. We'll talk mm. about those possibilities. Yeah. Um, thank you guys. Thank you everybody for, for listening. If you did enjoy this and you could leave a review, it would be really appreciated. Uh, if you haven't already given us a like on our Facebook page, the Marvel guys podcast, you'll, you'll love it. Uh, we get to talk to each other. We will have, uh, Saturdays coming up, uh, later this month where we'll be doing live movie watching. Mm. We'll be able to talk to you guys. I'm so for that. that's pretty cool. Um, can't wait to, you know, get in the lab, so to speak, to do that kind of stuff. But, uh, let us know if you, if you have any ideas for any fun content that you think we would be able to pull off. And I'll see you, uh, what, in a few days? A few days. All right. Thank you, everybody. Peace.